0: Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. Make sure that you do check out my website over there at Sheila and make sure you are subscribed to my YouTube channel as well as following the podcast. And if you have not joined SWAT Prayer for your area, find an incredible warfare team near you. SWATPrayer.com is a website. That's www.swatprayer.com. Well, we have an exciting show today. I'm anxious to finish this series off. Today, it is The Devil and Karen Kingston Part 4. This is the last part of a four-part series. If you have not watched one, two, and three, make sure you do that. And again, you can just simply put it in a search on my YouTube channel there. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to the program Elvis Newhart Pastor from Hamburg Church of Deliverance. On this final part. So, Elvis, the mic is yours. Take it away, sir.
1: Thanks a lot, Sheila. Thanks for having me back. And here we are. This is part four of our series of The Devil and Karen Kingston. We're entering into April 15th, 1974. This is the third day of the conflict that they've had. It was 10 people that came out, uh, 10 people from different uh, professions and whatnot, psychologists, doctors, nurses, a Baptist minister, a Catholic priest, and a deliverance pastor who had been doing with where he and his wife had been doing deliverance now in the previous parts the previous parts that we've done on this uh, we've went through uh, who the main characters are we've been and we've been going down layer by layer of this the, this batch of demons that was in this little 63 pound girl by the name of karen kingston and we really want to go forward today i want to encourage you if you'd like you can go and uh, get a copy of the book for more detail i would really recommend it find a find an older copy if you can because it There are many areas to pray and ways to pray and and things that are, you know, it's when you read and you look at this stuff and you find this stuff where it hasn't been taken out of books, uh, it really adds a, a lot of discernment to us. But so what happened was now is now now we're in the third day, and what happened was they're all coming back. They Nobody's really sleeping well or everything. The workers are kind of tired. And, folks, this is what you have to w- watch, too, about getting your workers too tired out or getting the pastor too tired out, especially when you're dealing with really big spirits. And so what the, what happened was they came in, and then they brought little 63-pound Karen Kingston into this, and they started praying against what they called the 10th demon, and they wanted to call this uh, this spirit Envy envy. Now what happened was was they came in, And Karen just sat there, and all of a sudden, the spirit manifests in front of them. And the spirit tried manifesting with all this importance, you know, much bitterness, a lot of gossip and shame. And that's what this, you know, a master spirit of envy will do and work through a person. There will always be this, well, do you want to know what I heard? I have the latest gossip or whatever on someone else there. And you know what? It's a a spirit. It's a family destroyer. It's a relationship destroyer. And it's a church destroyer. And so what happened was, was the spirit starts manifesting manifesting starts taking over the conversation and this is the point where where our our good friend pastor sutter okay he runs up and he starts yelling uh, this is on page 98 praise jesus praise his holy name shouted sutter right and what happened was was the 63 pound body of karen kingston leapt up out of her chair slapped him across the face okay and the force of the blow sent the 298 pound baptist preacher rumbling across the floor It knocked her across the floor, and this is the demonic power that spirits can have. And so, you know what? Everybody goes, well, it's great to praise Jesus and praise his holy name, but the enemy is, yeah, they're still going to whack you across the floor on that one. Now, what happened was it was really, really uh, with with continued and mean gossip. Wow. Yeah, it could look like some churches here too, but it came in, but it was always having to have something on somebody. And you see, this is is just the tip of the iceberg or one of the many things of filth that was in this young lady after her father was killed and her mother was sent to prison. So a lot of this was, was transferred by that. And so they prayed against this spirit. They prayed against this spirit, and and it was like for, oh, a little bit over an hour or so, but that's what they came against that. Now, I'm going to go forward on these next few spirits here, uh, the next two that wanted to go around, because one thing that that the enemy likes to do is talk, you know, wants you to guess names, wants you to do this, and and just basically slow things down, uh, slow the deliverance down, right? And so, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just cover this entire broadcast and everything with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and this message now in Jesus' name. We bind up and forbid all transfers of spirits spirits in Jesus' name. We break off all attacks on the equipment, the speaker, and everybody else listening to this now in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Use this to just to expose the enemy in Jesus' mighty name. Now, the next spirit that they came, and remember, they're pulling these away like like a layer of an, an, an onion getting down to the core, is a spirit that wanted to call himself the king of the house, and that was a master and a controlling spirit, kind of like a CPU, kind of keeping all the other spirits, you know, it helped all the spirits stick together. And so when you're deliverance or you can also come against that spirit, right? And you see, one thing that was in there too was a spirit of childish self-will. Now, what's interesting about the spirit of childish self-will is it sits on the gateway to maturity. And it's also a master, has a master game plan in, in the kingdom of arrested development. So if you're coming against those, just come against the spirits of chi- the, the spirit of childish self-will. Now, it worked in coalition here. And you know, the spirit really wanted to call himself. He says, hey, I'm king of the house. I'm doing all this but it was also it worked in coalition with this other spirit that that liked to call itself mervyn and mervyn claimed to be the powerful one and it was a strong man it was a ruler of fear and violence and remember that's what if you go back and listen to the other programs this is what they were this is what they were uh, were coming against okay was was a lot of fear and violence that had come in, and now this wasn't the last spirit. It was a very powerful spirit, and they prayed against this one for three hours and eleven eleven minutes. And it's very unstable and very unpredictable. And the one. And remember, these spirits are still shielding the really big demon that was inside in, uh, inside as well. You know, and the demons they want to talk and talk, and the demons always want to get you off off of the. Um, the demons always want to get you off topic and get you distracted into something else. And you see, but what was good about the people that were there, and especially uh, Pastor Roberts, is is that they never let the spirits do that, and it really irritated them. Now, what's interesting is that as they were praying during this three hours and and 11 minutes, right, the Catholic priest came up with his crucifix. This is on page 110, and it says, As Karen's gaze caught the eyes of the six-foot-two-inch Tyson, a loud thump resounded throughout the room. Aaron had not raised a hand, yet Father Tyson was violently knocked down, and he began to moan and roll roll on the carpet. He got spiritually punched in the gut really hard. Now, his his crucifix had flown from his hands, and it lay on the floor approximately 10 feet from him. Right, And Karen's huge white eyes fell on the crucifix. We could actually see sparks emit from those hideous eyes. The crucifix moved. It bounced along the floor for a moment. It began to bend and twist as if it were made of soft rubber, and the figure of Christ broke free. The hands, no longer nailed to the cross, tightly clasped the figure's head. It looked as if Christ were in more agony at this point than when he had been cruelly spiked to the crucifix. Then both the cross and the figure of Jesus disintegrated. And witnesses videotape everything else like that. Okay, so that's what it did to the crucifix. Objects, people, you do not need objects to do deliverance. Okay, so that's what the demon thought of that. And so now this is what happened. And so they had been praying continuously now again, in total for about five, about five and a half hours. And so they decided to take a little break and they needed to, but even with that, but even with that, they weren't totally recovered. And now this is where they run in. They ran in to a demon that called herself prudence. Now, this is the one, and remember, if we if we go back to the previous messages and look how Karen Kingston was suffering, and by now, even more with everything going on, the workers were even more tired, and I really see the work of the Lord here, because thank God that there was a point that they learned that you can bind the spirits up and attack them again at another time. But what they did is they came in, and they, this spirit came to the surface now, and what happened was, was they asked the spirit its name, and the, and the spirit said very innocently, well, my name is Prudence prudence. Isn't that one of the four cardinal virtues, right? Well, we had just watched the four cardinal virtues get knocked across the floor in the previous deliverance session, and it came up. And what happened was, they kept asking the spirit its name, it said, Prudence, they said, okay, well, what do you do? And it says, it's really, it says, for I make people brainless and lame, I have power you know nothing about. And the demon Prudence then accurately quoted the Bible. He has a dumb spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Okay, now I want to tell you something, demons can quote the Bible perfectly. Demons can memorize, and demons know the Bible better than we do, folks, okay, know better than we do, right? And so they kept coming after him. It's like, you know, tell us what your purpose is, right? And so the demon came back and quoted another scriptural verse, and a certain woman had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had, and nothing got better, but rather grew worse. That's Mark chapter 5, 25 through 26. And then she went to, uh, to another Bible verse and said, and there he found a certain man named Aenus, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick. This time Prudence had quoted part of Acts chapter 9, verse 33. And she asked then, do you now get the picture, preacher man, of who I am? So it's like this demon spirit was there at these times, or this is what this spirit did, okay? And the spirit replied, lots of trouble. I cause lots of trouble, replied Prudence. She sounded pleased with herself. I create a regular nest of trouble and problems, plenty of sorrow and sickness and disease and pain. You know the whole works. Now we're going to pause here for a second because we're going to talk about yes. this spirit does cut a lot um, a, a lot of sicknesses that we're going to talk about here and this is like in the person indif- individually. So a person suffer- suffering from this would need deliverance okay? That's deliverance, okay? When, it, when when you pray for another person, that's deliverance in Jesus' name, okay? And so anyway, so let's go on here. What this spirit did was cause lots of problems in, in, people, in people's lives, okay? It's a ruling spirit of sorrow, sickness, disease, and pain, right? And it creates regular troubles and problems, especially physical and mental illness, okay? It claimed to be the ruler of Parkinson's disease, shaking, And the loss of use, okay? Like when people lose the use of their arms or their legs, you know, it it also claimed to be a ruling spirit in arthritis now in arthritis parkinson's disease those are incredible things a lot of people have prayed against those and so now notice this large spirit what calls itself a large controlling spirit here that's how it was working on a person individually but what happened what came next is really sh- is what really shocked them you see demonic spirits will will not just work in people individually demonic spirits will also work at a community level well they work at a national level level. And you could argue it. You could even say that they worked at a, at a world level. But let's go back to Prudence and Pastor Rogers. Uh, Pastor Rogers says, he "says You know what? You're a real deceptive demon, aren't you? Right?" And this is right after Prudence. You know, Prudence talked about all of her afflictions. One of which she claimed was Parkinson's disease. Another was arthritis. Pastor Rogers says, "You know what? You're a deceptive de- demon." And Prudence answered in that sweet little voice, "Yes, I know, but it's all part of the game." Now they started this kind of this kind of really uh, caught everybody's attention because they go what do you, what do you mean part of the game? And Prudence responds says we have a planned strategy. We know exactly what we are trying to accomplish. And for for instance, we are in almost complete control of this community. What do you mean by this statement? What are you you trying to say? Control this community? How can demons control a city? The demon responded, and listen to this, folks. The demon responded, well, that's easy. We run it. We have it all tied up. It's as simple as that. Prudence's voice sounded very confident. There's really nothing much you can do about it either but we've got numerous churches here and many Christians, said Rogers, exhibiting a great deal of patience. It's basically a good city. You know, hey, if you know if a city got a lot of churches and Christians, are, it's a good city, right? And Prudence re- responded and said, so? I've been in plenty of your churches. In an outburst of sarcasm, they don't bother any of us for the most part. Church people as a whole don't even realize that we're real. They don't believe we are here right under their holy noses. Besides we just want control. We want only to gain control of the churches. And I'll say this, you can believe me, we've already taken almost complete control all over the world. Do you think this stinking town is any exception, preacher man? Now folks, this is a written down quote from an evil spirit. And does it sound like the demon's lying there? Take a look out your window. Take a look on your computer screen. What have you been seeing in the news and everything, right? And you know what? And they went and they took over the churches. And it's very true. A lot of Christians don't—they don't want to know that they exist. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I have to. As I was looking at my notes, I and going over this part again. This is what those words "cognitive dissonance" mean. Is that Christians believe that Christians can't have demons or people can't have demons? But in the Bible, we see that there were people who believed who had spirits and Jesus cast them out. And you see so that's two conflicting things and oh yes and like the and, and, and like the liberal psychologists want to say well they feel a bit uncomfortable about uncomfortable about that. Yeah, they're uncomfortable because the spirits need to come out. But did you notice here here, you know, they go in and you know, yes, you can have an entire communities that are bound up. And now this is where you do what's called spiritual warfare, where you can bind and loose. You can lose civil war in Satan's kingdom. You can lose spoiler spirits on the enemy's plan. And we were sharing, and it's like, you know, there's times where there there are times where we will do that. In in our intercessory evening of prayer on Wednesdays, you know, there are so many times we've started praying for communities. We've been praying for our country or other country, and we'll pray on Wednesday, and in the next few days, we'll uh, We'll see. We can see the results in the newspaper, okay? From things that we didn't even know. So, can you pray that? Yes. Even if you are one person, you can pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many examples and testimonies that I don't even have time to go through of uh, through all of that, uh, uh, through all of all of that tonight in part four. But now, look at this here. This was the final spirit, okay? It was a dumb spirit in in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 and 18, a dumb spirit, okay, where it's can't speak and can't speak out. And look at this, folks. It's not just like a, well, it's not just like a, well, okay, someone couldn't talk, big deal. No. Do you notice how this, do you know how many issues that Christians and churches and communities do not speak out against? And so you'll have a dumb spirit come over an entire community and nothing is spoken against. Everything's allowed. Just let them in. Let's just be quiet about this. The next thing is that there w- uh, the next thing that this spirit was involved in too, uh, that, that the spirit was referencing, was never healing. And that's in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. And we look at all the disease, and we look at all the sickness and everything going on, and everybody's talking about, oh, we need to heal as a community, and it's not happening. And we can go, we can go in every direction with that, Okay was also a bedridden spirit in Acts chapter 9 verse 33 and this spirit it bragged about being troubles lots and lots of troubles okay now when they came against this spirit now notice this folks you're going to run up to the spirit and go oh Jesus name holy name of Jesus okay this spirit had no fear of God. And you sit there and go, "Ooh, well, that's really big. No, it had no fear of God and it spreads that. And where when that's in people, they have no fear of God, no fear of God, no fear of what, what their eternal salvation is, no fear that there is a God watching and a God that will move, right? And so prudence came back and said, this girl's body is my home and I intend to stay here. I like living with her. She never upsets me. Did you hear that? Brothers and sisters in the Lord, She never upsets me and the demon likes living with her. What this means is we need to start upsetting the spirits a little bit more so that they do not like living with us. We need to start praying together as groups and communities and in churches. When's the last time the pastors ever led the entire church in in a real, and I mean a real spiritual warfare prayer. Not a light puff of wind to the north, not a light puff of wind to the south, not a light puff of wind to the east or the west or to, to, to speak a soft sugary word in this direction, but to come down with the full might and power of the Lord Jesus Christ and pray that God would move with his strong right arm and start rooting out the enemy, pulling it out from the deepest roots out of the community. I was sharing a testimony at one time we were in Berlin doing workshops. And we kept driving by. Every time I would come back, you know, every so month, m- months to go here, every time we'd be driving to the meeting, the people would point out, oh, there's the largest witch- witchcraft shop in Berlin. The largest. And they kept going by, and I'm like, well, you guys are pointing at it every time. Isn't anybody praying against that thing? And they're like, oh, pray, oh, we don't want And I said, are you kidding me? How many workshops have you been to? Do you believe your Bible? And so then as we drove by, we kept losing poverty, death, destruction, that it would dry up. We lose spirits in Jesus' name, that the people wouldn't be interested in even going there anymore. And you know what? The next time I came to Berlin, we drove by and everybody pointed and looked and they said, look, it closed its doors. Is that a coincidence? After all the times we drove by it and everything else like that? Okay. Can you start standing up for your community like that? How about your own neighborhoods and praying for protection and start start binding up the spirit of trouble in your neighborhood? Do, do, Do the neighborhood kids always fight with each other, right? Do the neighbors always fight with each other? Sounds like another topic for another time, but do you see now that there are spirits doing this, and this spirit just laid out, and and where's the first places that these spirits went, okay, to shut this all off is they went into the churches. Why? Because who else is going to resist them? The fire department? The police department? The mayor? The city council, who's going to resist them? But they went into the churches and that comment that you've heard so many times, they, you know, the devil, the devil's biggest trick was to convince everybody that he didn't exist. And everybody asked, where do all these troubles come from? And like the, and like the spirit said here in the end, I intend to stay here. I like living with her. People do not let the spirits like living in you. They hate it when you read your Bible. They hate it when you say, no, she never upsets me. At least she has never made me feel uncomfortable or unwelcome until, that is, you started working on her and mixing the kid up. Isn't that hilarious? Right. Boy. Yes, I know that, but it won't be easy for you or this girl, retorted the demon. I have, stro- I have a strong hold on her. I guarantee you it won't be easy as some of the others. I don't fear your God as others do. Well, you're going to be starting, spirit. Right. now, And they really fought there, and it goes back and forth. And people, you're going to need your strength and you're going to need your courage on this one here too, right? And so I just want to encourage you on that tonight too. One thing on the spirits that covered this spirit here was, like, for example, in this spirit called Mervyn or the powerful one, and a lot of times what will happen is, you know, the spirit will be in a person and will be influencing them, you know, maybe not totally possessing, but be in, influencing them to a point to where, you know, these traits come out. Like, for example, Mervyn, one of his thing was lacking common sense no common sense okay and a lot and, and you know if you're not lacking common sense where it's it, it, you know then the craziest thing can co- then come in you know and, and this spirit too controller by uh, controls by fear and hostility. And you know, we know people like that. We can always say yes. We always know. We can always know people, uh, know people like that. But wh- what about some of the stuff going on inside of us? Think about your church. This is no criticism against your church or your pastor. But you know what? We need to have our eyes open. What's going on there? What is going on there? I was listening to a testimony where a, a woman with discernment went to a church and, and they were talking about, they were talking about all the young people who were kill, killing themselves, uh, you, know, in the music group or whatever else like that. And, and the lady goes, "You have a witch in your church." And it was just like the people couldn't believe that or that could even be possible or whatever. Okay, till finally people started binding and loosing and praying. And you know what? The evil revealed itself. Oh, by the way, let's talk about that, the evil revealing itself. There are many places that talk about, well, we shouldn't talk about the devil. You'll give him power. Okay, that is an ignorant statement. Did I just use that word? Yes, I did. That is an ignorant statement. Even in witchcraft or the occult, they know, the enemy knows that once it's exposed, it starts losing power. One of the biggest things they, they love to have or need is like this demonic, this demonic invisibility. But, you know, you know, why do you think that, that's said in the Bible that there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed? Okay? When you're revealing the enemy to yourself, to your family maybe even to your church right or praying for your community that is taking power away from the spirits not talking about the devil and giving him power that's a demon that's a demon preaching that through the pulpit right there well we don't want to talk about the enemy and give him too much power get that cliche out of your mouth go get yourself some soap and wash that out of your mouth in Jesus name when you're exposing the enemy it is taking power from him they want to remain hidden we were we've been talking about in these last four these last four series, right? Okay, there were thirteen levels. There were thirteen levels, you know, thirteen layers of this onion that they wrote about before they finally got got to Prudence, which was the strong one. And you know, little Karen Kingston, it was horrible what happened to her. She was full of sorrow, full of sickness. Her whole body. Go back and listen. Go back and listen to the to the very first program right? where where we detailed this out. Now, one other point I want to point out here, they prayed for this little girl, I had this figured out. they prayed for her for 30 hours, 10 hours a day for three days. And that's how God set this one up. That's not the one, now don't go to your church and say, Pastor, we need to pray 10 hours a day for the next, for the next uh, three days. Okay, but now here's the thing. They did pray 30 hours of deliverance, how they knew how, how to pray deliverance. Now, for those of you that do receive deliverance, how long do you actually get prayer? Now, if you go to church, you know, and go to your great church and they pray, and they pray for you an hour every Sunday when you go to church, well, that'll come out to 30 weeks or that's that's seven and a half months of getting prayer. And the point I'm making here is is everybody wants to church, get, get a five-minute prayer, what we call microwave prayers. To get just a brief little prayer, oh, yeah, and we're hoping that these 13 levels of spirits all just pop out. You know, if you only get, if you were to go to church and get prayer for 30 minutes at a time there, that would take a year and two months for you to receive the same prayer that Karen Kingston did. And a brief little 15-minute prayer or whatnot for this whole batch here, 15-minute prayer, that's two years and four months, okay? That's two years and four months. So why does deliverance sometimes take so long? Hey, I think God was really trying. And number one, I believe He was having an incredible, uh, incredible amount of mercy and grace on the little Karen Kingston here because there was nothing for her. They found her at the bottom of a psychiatric ward. Okay. And they prayed. I, I mean, it's it's really something. It's really something that they did this. And, you know, I, there's a, they show in this book, they show a lot of things that do work and a lot of things that do not work. And that's why it's good to look at it because so many times we can say, well, you know, they just don't like this or they're anti this or they're anti that. Okay, go in the book. Okay, it was photographed. It was videotaped, audio taped notes were taken. I would love to get a video or an audio of this. Boy, I tell you what, I mean, boy, no horror movie would have anything on this here too. But you know what? But that's the thing because we, we need to have our churches so pretty, don't we? So pretty. And, and you know what? And then, and then when, the ugly problems, when the ugly problems show up, we want to go and we want to put them somewhere else now. Let's talk about Karen Kingston. Her IQ was down, at the time of this, her IQ was down to 45. During the deliverance, there were several healings that when the spirits came out, conditions that had been there for a long time and responded to no treatment, right, symptoms would go away as soon as the demon left. Now, one week after her deliverance, this is a week after her deliverance, her her, her IQ went up 29 points. So just by having the spirits gone... Her brain started coming back to her. We've seen this. You know, how many times, you know, for the last, you know, 30 years in deliverance and you watch people, you just watch people. And and this happened to me too. You start getting deliverance and all of a sudden your mind gets hungry again and you want to read and you want to research and you want to find things out. Wanting to hear the truth comes back to you. You're not walking around like a zombie anymore. So a week after her deliverance, her IQ went up 29 points. Now, in the next six months, her IQ developed rapidly. Remember because they were monitoring her and, and looking at her. And the thing is her mind was coming back. And at, at the age of 14, this is a year after after this deliverance, at the age of 14, she was doing work in the third grade. okay? She was 14 years old, but still at the mental ability of a third grader. At the age of 15, she was doing the work of a fifth grader, right? Or at ten, year, 10 years old. So her body was physically, her body was physically 15 years old, but she had the capacity of a 10 year old. Now, and this is where this goes back into many messages. Many people have spoken on arrested development. You know, there's a lot of people out there, they're 70 going on 17, or they're 60 going on 6. Okay? Maybe you've seen some people where it's like, okay, they're, 70, you know, they're way up in their 70s or getting up in there, but they want to walk, talk, dress, do their hair, everything like a 15-year-old, and everybody wants to compliment them and tell them how, how young they look. That's a tormenting spirit. Another message for another time. Now at the age of 16, she was doing work in the sophomore class and had caught up with the other kids her age. And this was uh, this was three years after that after that deliverance that she received. You see what that does is that it takes de- what deliverance does is it takes the spirits out of the way so that people can grow so that they can mature and be the people that God wants them to be. See, the demons went and it allowed her to grow. It was explained really well by a pastor of mine in California. He said, you know what? He says, getting deliverance is like driving down the highway and there's roadblocks on the highway and you can't go forward. Now, you can get out of the car and you take those roadblocks off of the highway but you still have to get back into the car and drive forward. You know, you're not instantly, you're you're not instantly at your destination. God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow into a de- develop a relationship with Him and with other people. Be just be able to work, be able to do what you do. But they kept they kept checking her. You know, three to four years afterwards, and she and she was completely cured. She was completely cured of mental retardation, and she was healed of all of her physical infirmities. And this was Karen Kingston now, and this was with the removing of spirits. And so we pray, and this is what we pray, and we ask the Lord for uh, discernment now, and we ask for discernment on this and ask the Lord what's going on, and it it was actually very clear with Karen Kingston. So praise the Lord, and that's what what the Lord does. Thanks for listening to us on this uh, four-part series that we had on the devil and Karen Kingston here. Uh, There is so much more in the book that you can go through. Uh, I would suggest that because there are so many related areas there to Uh, to pray. Now, maybe you're not completely uh, possessed or as heavenly demonized as Karen Kingston is, but you know what? You do have your areas, your life, your spiritual walk with the Lord has been slowed down, stopped, or even put into reverse. This could be the work of, this could be the work of the enemy and it's it's worth something there, you know? What is your family history? What came down the, the, the line of your father or your mother? What's always been there and never have seemed to have gone away? Where have you always been getting treatment from the doctors or psychologists or, you know, you've been getting all this treatment and it seems like nothing's working, okay? That is a really good indication that there are spirits there at work in Jesus' name and you rebuke them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope you've enjoyed this uh, series here. Thanks for being with us. We hope to bring you more interesting things on deliverance teaching and in the deliverance deliverance ministry. Uh, is there a question or something else you wanted to say or whatever else like that? Or
0: I know there's a section called The Aftermath, Elvis, and talks a little bit about it, but does anyone know how she is doing today? I forget what year she was born, but she was like born in 61 or something. So she'd only be in or what, late? Late 50s. Does anyone know anything about her today is my question?
1: Well, um, no, well, they do have a whole uh, part of the book here called The Aftermath. And that's where they talk about her, her IQ coming back and everything else after all those years. But I haven't read a lot. Uh, actually, her name isn't even really Karen Kingston. Yeah. So, and so people ask me, well, where is she at now and everything? I don't know. And I don't know if she wants to be found. It was only recently that I did find out that I did find out that uh, this took place in North Carolina.
0: Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. You know, I would love to know where the videos are of this.
1: Right. Well, I'm just saying, too, I'd love to know where the videos, the audio tapes or or this other research. Now, what they did do with all of her data is they did speak at many conferences, psychological conferences. Uh, They mentioned that in California. This was heavily discussed for a long time right after it happened, especially when they had all the evidence there and nobody could nobody could ignore the evidence. But, of course, after a while, it kind of just, you know uncomfortable topics kind of get pushed out of the side. And uh, psychological boards don't like hearing that they can be ineffective at times.
0: What I thought was really interesting are some of the manifestations. And of course, that's a whole other show unto itself, especially color manifestations, things that look like auras, things that look like puffs of smoke, different colors, hazes, lights. I thought that was really interesting. What's your take on that?
1: The thing is, is back in 1974, I don't know how much they knew about auras or other things too, and, and because and and we always hear about this aura reading and oh you 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 have a fuzzy pink thing around you and and stuff like that. So it could have been just another manifestation. Now it was written down by the recorder. I'd like to see that on the videos too. Yeah where they said, "Wow, look at we've got this blue light. There's this light that's coming out here and the and the people just didn't know what it was."
0: Well, I was actually doing deliverance on a guy and there was three other witnesses there because I was actually doing some training. And this person really dry heaved and then he puked out what looked to be colors. What it looked like is that he literally ate a melted box of crayons. That is a huge manifestation because of the way demons go out. Demons go through the breath, through the skin, air, So we know that it comes out different ways like coughing. But you know, that actually has happened a few times since that initial time, it's happened again, where people are literally puking up colors, which is I mean, I wonder if that could be something similar to this.
1: Absolutely, uh, that could be very close to that too. And I've prayed for people. I, you know, er, er, early on, I was praying for people, and they would be puking up like bright orange, yes. or you know, colors that you knew that were not blood. I, I'll say this one here too. For now, what what what, what they may not have known back then, uh, what they uh, but what what they know now is, or what said is. Is they say no difference, no deliverance. Okay? Yeah, okay, and now let me talk very briefly on the de- the uh, the difference between getting deliverance and manifesting. People can ma- people manifest whether they know it or not. You know, you can pray against the spirit, and the spirit can really manifest. But the basic principle that was always passed on by passed on down the line in the years by Win Worley was no difference no deliverance. And so we notice a difference here. You can see the difference at the end as she was making improvement. But uh, me personally, I think I could make a really good uh, good case that the spirit called King of the Hill uh, did not come out of her. And remember, that was the controlling spirit that kept everybody together. And so that's a pretty good question there too. It's like, wait a minute, that's not, a, it's on page 111 of the book where there's a line here that says, King of the House had slipped away unnoticed. And I made a big note, I made a big note, here I said I says not delivered. Slipping away unnoticed is not deliverance there. And when I when you read about what King of the King of the Hill's job was keeping everybody together and organizing the whole thing. So I I would have I would have really liked a lot more follow-up too.
0: It would sure be just nice to know like, you know, how she really turned out in life, how her life went, you know, did she have this awesome Christian life? Or I'm just very curious about that. Another thing is this group that went through so much what they dealt with you know not always the right way or the wrong way but just their experiences as a team it would be really interesting to find out if they ever did any other deliverance on anybody you know you think about all these little even young children in a mental institution was karen kingston really the only one they did or did they go on to do anything else i know that you know all their experience and applied knowledge through that incredible time and just be curious if they ever did anything else together as a team
1: as far as i know they didn't try it on any else Oh. with what I've read here and see and I find that wow I would have been like wow if this worked on one girl why don't we try it on two yeah you know and uh, I it is such an incredible thing I think God really had had mercy on Karen Kingston uh, knowing that there was no way no how the the situation and how she got so loaded full of demons and everything and and how everything was set how everything that was set up I do believe well, number one I do believe the catholic priest was really uh, kind of shaken to his core remember he was the one who tried Tried quoting, praying all the Latin, doing yeah. all the other prayers and everything, and the demons repeated them back to him, forwards, backwards, upside down. They melted his crucifix. He got to watch. He got to watch the the, the figure of Jesus walk across the floor and and disappear and melt away. Right, um, and that can be really shaking. I don't know. Now the Baptist, the uh, the, the Sutter guy, the guy that was like three hundred pounds, right? And we covered that too. There was a time where the Holy Spirit came on him. I believe he actually even started speaking in tongues and realizing that and realizing that deliverance is real because there was a time where the, the spirit started manifesting and instead of being afraid it says he had a new courage he, he goes hey I've got something i can use against them now so
0: you know, I really bet that would alter his life and probably even his walk as a Catholic to have those experience where things that they believe are supposed to be powerful, you know, obviously objects and things like that, you know, the demons just mocked it. So yeah, really probably a big impact on his Catholicism. I found this really interesting. The other night, I'm just kind of flipping through the channel, something caught my eye. And of course, I never watch that much TV. But I'm flipping through the channels that said, whatever happened to Linda Blair? And of course, it was on Oprah, our favorite uh, new, Age Witch. (laughs) But anyway, up next, whatever happened to The Exorcist's Linda Blair? And this was the shocking thing when she came on the screen, and they were interviewing, like they asked questions like what happened on set, you know, what were some of her experiences afterwards, she had death threats, she went through all these experiences after the movie launched, you know, worldwide. And I was shocked when she came on screen, I think the woman's 56 or 57. I was really shocked because she was so ominous looking so such a dark veil around her and I thought yeah no kidding that woman probably opened herself up to so much as a child doing that show she looked like she was I'm not kidding in her late 70s early 80s I was really surprised at just the dark energy from her eyes look very evil and I thought well that's really not surprising when you are so filled up with demons it's really sad to me but you know what kind of parents would even let their little 12 or 13 year old girl, even do that. I know a lot of people think that the Karen Kingston thing is based on the whole Exorcist movie came out in 73 and this stuff took place in 1974. So can put that rumor to bed. But anyway, yeah, just boy, Linda Blair looking pretty rough.
1: Oh, that was, that was, yeah, that was really sinister. I bet you she never looked at pea soup again. <laughs> One little comment on that too what happened to people. Oh, by the way, folks, what she needs to do is get, uh, just start calling the witchcraft out of her. It's not a joke. Uh, i have my wife talk about it time here, but start calling witchcraft out of your face, call it out of your hair, call it out of your bodies. There's also a spirit here that we didn't talk about and was called the one in, in the Python spirit and the spirit of Mother Divine. And that's the one that that causes the you think like an old woman, you feel like an old woman, you act like an old woman, the body starts reacting like an old woman. And so um, the folks can start calling that out in Jesus' name. And uh, so that's another message we can talk about at at another time here. I have a whole thing on Python. Uh, Can I read a quote here from the the book uh, to let us know where a lot of this went? Because it's amazing. It says, most psychiatrists consider it unenlightened, if not barbaric, to believe in the possibility of demonic possession and so you know that could be an answer where a lot of this research and everything went and you know because they can have it and then it's like you know what this is going to be a career killer so we'll file this away and then somebody finds it and uh, you know looks at it and goes oh my god we've got to get rid of this
0: Yeah, well, we know how the psych world works. And we also know how Hollywood works. And it really ticks me off when I see these, you know, all these horror movies. What do you always have in every show? You never have some powerhouse warrior of God that casts those things out. No, you have some weak gutless, powerless, scared little priest with no power trying to deal with these these big, strong spirits. They're no match for Christians. That really irks me a lot.
1: Yes, it is. Well, that, that, that's there for a purpose because uh, Hollywood represents the entirety of Christianity through Catholicism, and they want to show how weak Christianity is against the spiritual world. Yeah. Okay, So this is why you have those weak, feeble priests, and they always blow up in a ball of flame, but the one who comes and saves us is Arnold Schwarzenegger with his 9mm. I cast you out. You can edit that.
0: (laughs) I might leave that in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do not say no to me. I have authority.
0: (laughs) Love it. Well, Elvis, in the waiting part of the program, do you give out your information on how the folks can get in touch with you or support your ministry.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Sheila, for having me and making this time available. And if uh, people would like to get a hold of me or support us, uh, my email address is at com, And you can write there. You can also use that, uh, th- uh, that email address for PayPal. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Sheila, for all the time that we could spend together on this.
0: My pleasure, Elvis. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Folks, that was Pastor Elvis Newhart from Hamburg Church of Deliverance. This is a long series this week. This is, you know, actually we ended up doing a total of over six hours. We lost one complete show. It was part three. Uh, we had to redo that. It was just a lot of time. Folks, I'm asking you to reach out to Elvis and, and let him know that you heard him on the program. He'd Reach out to him at H C D at AOL.com. Dot com his email one more time is elvis H-C-D, at aol.com tomorrow on the program do not miss it is the general ivory hopkins friday augusto prez and then over the weekend carla butad and also i'm gonna try to get up my show with my friend mark sellers over the weekend really powerful as well and then next week we have two back-to-back shows with joseph Jazinski. he's now on a flight to poland as we speak but he did two very powerful shows before he left so i look forward to that thank you so much for tuning in end of the broadcast today, folks, and we will see you real soon. Good night, and God bless.